0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: For months now, health care, food inspection, first responder workers and the military have been scrambling for PPE, that is, personal protective equipment. Gowns, face masks, face shields, overalls, more Tyvek than a new housing development. Analysts at Gavini have dissected the trends in PPE spending by the military since 2013, to understand how DOD can support civilian organizations while also covering its own people. Here with more the CEO of Govini, Tara Murphy-Doherty. Ms. Darty, good to have you back.
0: Thanks so much, Tom.
1: What were you looking at here going back to 2013? Is this something that the military normally spends lots of money on?
0: It's not typically something that the military spends a lot of money on. We did an analysis, as you mentioned, of DOD spending on personal protective equipment over a seven-year period in order to get a sense of just how much DOD invests in this area and the extent to which they're planning for a contingency like a pandemic or responding to it. And what we found is that typically the posture they're in is a responsive one which frankly probably makes sense given the defense mission and the range of contingencies they're planning for. But the numbers themselves were really interesting.
1: Well, what was interesting, it looks like from your chart that Govini has published that there was a big spike in spending on PPE during the Ebola outbreak.
0: Exactly. So this is a relatively recent case. If you recall, Ebola took place about 2014 to 2016 in that time frame and in particular, the United States led a humanitarian mission to West Africa to contain the Ebola outbreak in fall of 2014. We saw that over the following fiscal year of 2015, defense spending on PPE surged to $40 million, which is only interesting if you think about it in the context of the earlier years of spending. It was nearly triple the amount of money that defense Spent on similar products in fiscal year 2014, and it was five times more than that in fiscal year 13.
1: So basically, they spend on a reactive basis, as you mentioned, they don't really stockpile this stuff?
0: Exactly. You know, what DOD is thinking about when it comes to stockpiling are equipment that is responsive to cases of war or military contingencies. And while they are certainly thinking about protecting the troops under all scenarios, as we saw at one of the data points that I thought was fascinating, and one of the things that I think is so compelling about data analytics in general, is we were able to show that over fiscal years 13 to fiscal years 19, the Defense Department spent over $2 million on hand sanitizer, which is sort of a phenomenal data point in itself. It's, I think the interesting aspect of this, Tom, is less whether a reactive posture is right or wrong, but the extent to which the Defense Department wants to plan for contingencies that aren't a core military mission. For sure, the Department of Defense provides support to civil authorities, and that is part of its mandate and an important one. But the extent to which it spends money on those types of activities, as opposed to other activities that are prioritized in the national defense strategy and other defense strategic and policy guidance documents, is, I think, the really interesting balance that the department has to grapple with. And what we find in periods of crisis like this are it's easy to look back and say, well, they should have planned more. They shouldn't be reactive. Although for the past seven years, the Defense Department's probably made the right choices in executing spending on PPE at the levels it has.
1: We're speaking with Govini CEO Tara Murphy-Doherty. I guess the question then that would come up is who is spending it within DOD? Is it the National Guard, which might be called out by state officials to help in a local pandemic emergency? Who is it?
0: In the past period that we looked at, nearly 90 percent of the PPE purchases were bought through the Defense Working Capital Fund, which is a revolving fund that increases the department's acquisition flexibility. We saw the vast majority of that Spent by the Defense Logistics Agency, which makes sense. And now we're seeing similar activities. You've probably seen Under Secretary of Defense Ellen Lord, who leads acquisition and sustainment. She's been very communicative to the industry, to the public about defense activities, and she has and her office has led the allocation of funds to also contractors, and the top 10 contractors account for nearly 90% of the kind of spending that's happening in this space, which is as we would expect, and they are likely to be well-positioned to surge in a contingency like this.
1: What types of companies are these? They're not the same people that make weapon systems and uniforms, or are they?
0: Some of them are. I think that these are the companies that the Defense Department is typically going to for its other equipment. These are companies, the prime contractors that the Defense Department has longstanding relationships with. And what we're seeing is interesting trends around just how capable they are of surging in a situation where the civilian sector is impacted. And it raises interesting questions for the Defense Department around asking industry to surge in another kind of contingency. If you think about munitions, for example, the Defense Department does not keep on hand all of the munitions that it would need to execute a protracted war. We know this, this is part of military planning. The expectation is that the Defense Department could call on industry much like it has through the Defense Production Act with COVID, in order to scale up production of those munitions. What we're seeing in COVID is with a shutdown of a number of companies in the defense sector, that surge capacity may not actually be either present or as large as the Defense Department is planning for. So my hope is that this situation will It certainly will provide lessons. My hope is that defense leaders will take those lessons and feed it into the other core contingencies that the department is planning against.
1: Is there something that civilian agencies could learn from the way defense goes about the acquisition of personal protection gear or anything else?
0: I think so. I think that, you know, one of the things that's compelling about the Defense Department's response in all of this is this is essentially what they're built to do. They're built to operate in crisis. And they've made some decisive moves and not on long timelines. So, for example, one of the decisions that they made was to loosen restrictions on other transaction authorities or OTA contracts. And what that has done is it has pushed decision-making authority down to a lower level so that acquisition officials can move faster in making COVID-related purchases. That kind of nimbleness is hard to do in a large bureaucracy, of course, but it's something that I think the Defense Department does well. And the civilian sector can look to, or I'm sorry, the civilian government agencies can look to the Defense Department with respect to that kind of decision-making and emulate it.
1: And for people that really like the details, if they look at the visualization of the data that you have provided, it looks like gloves, I guess rubber gloves or latex gloves, whatever they are, you know, those gloves that come a lot like a Kleenex box, those have been fairly steady throughout the year since 2013. The big spikes was in gowns, aprons, and coveralls, and then that sank back down again until 2019, but it's hard to tell what's happening in 2020. Does that
0: mean anything right the data is still playing out for 2020 but i think that's a great observation we did see that spending on gloves over that seven year period was close to 50 million dollars and stayed fairly steady i think because of the broad applicability of gloves in so many different settings whether they are medical settings or scientific settings as opposed to something like gowns where you saw a significant spike as part of that Ebola response, gowns are much less relevant to the coronavirus response. And so we're seeing instead huge spending coming out of DOD as well as the stimulus overall on face masks in particular. And in 2020, thus far as part of the COVID response, the Defense Department has spent over $200 million to surge that industrial capacity to produce N95 face masks.
1: And do you think that the defense activity has helped or hindered the commercial availability of these products?
0: Oh, I think it hasn't taken away from the commercial availability at all. And, in fact, we've seen the Defense Department move to provide additional capacity and resources to civilians. And this goes in line with what we were talking about with respect to the support to civilian agencies' mission that the Defense Department does maintain They've stood up hospital ships, and we've seen calls to do more of that, among other types of responses with the National Guard and even local area responses. So I think it has been accretive to those efforts, to be sure.
1: Tara Murphy-Doherty is CEO at Govini. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to the report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
0: Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.